Welcome to the Sharpway Show. Yes, 7 p.m. on the East Coast. And I'm here with you, Larry Sharp. Um, Monday, it's the Ask Me Anything, the AMA here for Monday. And I want to look at the title that I put for this episode and recognize that it is a little bit clickbaity. I think it is. I was going to put, you know, hate versus don't like. I thought that's too clickbaity. Because it's not really true. I don't really hate 9-11 ceremonies. That's not accurate. And it's not that I don't like all of them. It's I don't like some of them. And I don't like the way most of us speak about 9-11. I think that's the other piece that bugs me. I don't like how most of us speak about it. And I also don't like most of the ceremonies. It does not mean that you shouldn't like them or they shouldn't exist or anything like that at all. If, 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 if you want to go and, and do your thing, please go do your thing. I'm not trying to say they shouldn't exist at all. All I'm saying is I feel odd or different about them for many reasons. One of them is when I think about 9-11, I live in New York City. And I also, not only do I not like the, the ceremonies, I don't like the Freedom Tower. In fact, the Freedom Tower I actually hate. I actually hate the Freedom Tower. Um, that That's actual hatred. I don't, go, I don't go to it. I will never go to it. I can't stand a Freedom Tower. Um, but 9-11, ceremonies. It reminds me of our failure. In other words, it's almost like I'm, instead of me being happy or proud of the victory, like D-Day as an example, right? Like D-Day is a victory. And we don't forget D-Day because that was bravery and victory and we won. Okay, I, I get that. Or Veterans Day, we won World War One, right? We're having a ceremony for the day that we got our ass kicked. I'm, I'm not good with that. Now, if you've lost someone or you lost friends or family, look, maybe that's how you have to grieve. Go ahead. No worries. Grieve as you need to grieve. I'm not here for that, but I I, I have a, an issue with that. I'd rather be trying to find some victory and celebrating that. Am I saying we should forget about it? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying we should forget about it, but I'm not saying we should focus on it. And the problem is most people who go to these ceremonies, They're not doing it because they really feel, right? They feel, oh, and no, they're doing it because, oh, here's an opportunity to act all nationalistic as if I give a shit. They don't, but as if I do, and let me get myself on a TV screen and act like I care. Because the next thing it reminds me of is our dismissal of our veterans, who so many of them not, as you hear me say constantly, and I'll keep saying it. The veterans who died, while I feel for their families, their journey's over, right? They're gone. They're not feeling the pain anymore. They transferred that pain non-voluntarily because of the government throwing them there to their families. The families are the ones feeling the pain for them. And then those tens of thousands who were wounded, they're feeling the pain now. They're still feeling all that pain and that loss. And they're feeling all that pain and that loss while politicians who were supposed to be supporting them, many of them who lied to get them there, many of them who knew what they were going through and stayed in an unnecessary war for decades, pretend like they care. That bothers me too. 
So I don't like those either. I don't like all those politicians acting like they care when they had the opportunity to do something about it and they didn't do a thing about it, right? Like you got George W. Bush talking about the war. You started them, right? And you're gonna be, and we're gonna listen to you? Where's your I'm sorry? How about give me that I'm sorry first? Maybe then I'll care. But it also reminds me of our foolishness after. And I felt it too. I am so guilty of this. I am, I'm guilty too. And I hate that I felt it too. Because I, I watched the second plane. I saw the second plane hit. And when that happened, I was one of those guys thinking, I'm going to call 1-800-Marines and go back to Marine Corps and get the bastards. I was thinking the same thing. And I look back now and I hate that I was thinking that. But I was. I was thinking that. I guess luckily I was already with my wife and we were starting a family and I didn't go do it. But if I had been single and not attached, I might have gone back into the Marine Corps. Ready to go, go get the bastards who did this to us. I felt it like so many other Americans did. Not all. And a lot of libertarians at the time. I wasn't libertarian then. But a lot of libertarians at the time were talking about how bad it was. They were saying it. I wasn't hearing it. I couldn't hear it. I didn't hear it. So it reminds me of that too. And it also reminds me of the security theater that we put up right afterwards. The TSA, the NSA, all these horrible things that we did because of the fear of the ass kicking that we took on 9-11. Because of that fear is why we did it. You hear me say it all the time. Afraid Americans make bad decisions. And boy, did we make a lot of bad decisions in 9-11. A ton of them. We made a lot of bad decisions. That's what happens when you're afraid. Afraid people make bad decisions. That's as an individual or as a group. It doesn't matter. When you're afraid, you make bad decisions. And we did. And we did. And now I'm going to go further and bring it to today. 9-11 was really the beginning of executives, governors, mayors, presidents going, it's my number one job to keep you safe. That shit's made up. Like, that's made up. That's not in their, that's not an oath they take. The oath they take is the same oath I took as a Marine, as many people who are watching or listening, who took when they joined the, the service. It is to protect and defend the, I'm sorry, to support and defend the Constitution. Not every single American, right? As a Marine, my job wasn't to protect every single American. My job was to protect the Constitution. That was my job. What's supposed to happen, it does not, but what's supposed to happen is see the president or the executive of any state or country or city, the executive protects the Constitution. And then the Constitution protects our rights, and then we protect ourselves. That's nowhere near what happens. That's supposed to happen. That's not what happens. What happens now is Bush goes, you guys go to sleep. You guys go back to shop. I'm going to go bomb people, and I'm going to keep you safe. That was the real beginnings of that, and that's gone on all through. That happened on Obama. That happened on Trump, and now it's happening right now, right under under Biden. Same thing. It hasn't stopped. 
I'll do whatever it takes to keep us safe. And now we have today, we got mandates. Yep, we got mandates. Why? Because of 9-11. I'm not joking. Without 9-11 and this idea that the executive's job is to keep everybody safe no matter what, without that, there's none of this. That was the beginning. That's where it happened. That's why I don't like 9-11 ceremonies. It reminds me of our compliance, of our shut up, go back to shopping, go to sleep, shh, go to sleep. I'm going to go bomb people. Oh, there's a virus. Shh, go in your house, be quiet. I'm going to make you a vaccine. Be quiet, go in your house. There's a collapse. Shh, go back. I'm going to write you a check. Shh, go back to bed. Watch Netflix. I'm going to write you a check. Boom, boom, boom. That all happened because of 9 11. And it reminds us of how we just went, okay, I'm going to go back to shopping. Okay, I'm going to go back in my house. Oh, okay, I won't do anything. That we just did that. And we rolled over and we keep rolling over. Those are some of the reasons why. And I think the worst piece of it is there were three groups, one I already mentioned, but there are three groups of heroes that we ignore. Because the next thing that happened 9-11, that still happens to this day, to happen from that day, was we combined victims and heroes. And it validated this idea that was already happening. The idea of victims being heroes was already bubbling to the top already. That made it a thing. Now we read the names of all the people who died. And the average American doesn't know which one was a, a victim and which one was a hero. I'm not, I'm nothing against the victims. They were victims. It was a slaughter. It was horrible. And they died for nothing. They didn't deserve it. It's terrible. All I'm saying is the people who went to work that day, those people weren't heroes. Those people were victims. The heroes were three groups of people. One, the people on Flight 93 who actually tried to stop the plane. Heroes. They did a movie about them at least. That's good. I'm glad I liked the fact they did a movie. Let's roll. I'm in. Good. Heroes. We should celebrate them. That's a victory. We should be jumping up and down about that. This should all be about them. These guys did something. When the, when the others just sat back and went, okay, okay, hijackers, I guess take up, destroy. These guys actually fought. Heroes. And they're like fifth on the list of anything. But they're the heroes. But I'm still not done. The people who ran into the building. There were still first responders that were trying to get into the into the second tower after the first one fell. They wanted to go back in. Heroes. These people. Heroes. It should be all about them. All about them. And often they're either mixed in with the victims or somehow on a third or fourth piece or whatever. Now, whether you're mad at 9-11 or what happened or whatever you might think about 9-11, whatever, I don't care. Regardless, those two groups of people, those are heroes. Those two groups of people are heroes. And the third, which came after, which were all the veterans who went over and died in two wars for literally a lie. That died in two wars for virtually nothing. The families that suffered, the li- literally tens of thousands Tens of thousands of families wrecked, ruined, 
by dead, wounded, broken men and women who came back from those two wars. For what? Nothing. Larry, you just beat me. No, for nothing. Taliban, as strong as it ever was, is not stronger. Iraq, still a disaster. Syria, still a disaster. Terrorism still exists. And we still got the NSA, and we still got uh, TSA. We still got everything. So we have a worse country and tens of thousands of American families destroyed because of two unnecessary wars. And trillions of dollars gone. Trillions in a massive grift. In a massive grift for 20 years. So yeah, fucking hate 9-11. Hate it. Bad, bad, bad. And then I got to see the Freedom Tower. What a hunk of garbage that was. It's, it's the, the Freedom Tower is literally a surrender. Flag. It's a white flag. That's what it is. You know what we should have done? Rebuilt the towers. Done. Rebuilt them. You knocked them down, we put them back up. Now what? Do it again. I dare you. Do it again. They couldn't. Impossible. Now we're going to watch a movie from the 70s and 80s, seeing New York City. You got to see that skyline and know it's gone. That's it. No, it's gone. Rebuild them. Well, we couldn't. Should rebuild them stronger, better. Nope. It took us a decade, over a decade to rebuild it because we got caught in legal issues regarding insurance. Yeah, that's why. Insurance. I thought we came together as Americans. Remember that garbage? Insurance companies didn't care. The guy was Silver was his name? I think Silver was his name. Who, who owned it? Yeah. Absolutely. This, so 11 years to build that hunk of garbage Freedom Tower, which the footprint, which is the memorial, is bigger than the freaking Freedom Tower. So we took the two towers that fell that were a symbol of, 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 of commerce, of American commerce, World Trade Center, and we made two, aw, from it. I had to go then go, aw, this is the day we got our ass kicked. Let's go there and, re- and remember how we got our ass kicked. That, that's what I got to do now when I go there. I'm, I don't go there. And I, I live in a city. I don't go there. I don't want to go there. I don't want to be reminded how we got our ass kicked. I don't want to be reminded how bad our country's become because of it. I don't want to be reminded how Osama bin Laden won, how he beat us. We are more like them now because of that attack. We were better before. And we weren't great before, but man, we were better. We were better. Now we're getting worse. And of all this, of all the things I said, all the legacy that comes from that, the one that I want to go further is the lack of trust that so many of us have in all of our institutions. Now, I know some of you are going, good, good, good. I, look, I get it. I, I get it. God, I'm libertarian too. I get it. But wouldn't it be better if we actually had trust in our institutions? It'd be better if they were worth something. But they're not. And we're seeing that now with our tragedy now. All that comes from 9-11. So, yeah, not a big fan. 
Not a fan. That's why I rarely do shows about it. I usually don't do shows on that day, that kind of stuff. I used not don't really get involved. I never go to any any ceremonies ever. But again, if you lost somebody, and I was very lucky on this. I know many New Yorkers, obviously. Two people who I happen to know who passed, who, who died in 9-11, both of those people were distance acquaintances. I I don't remember the guy's last name. We've got to remember his name at all anymore. I, I met both of them a total of three times. So I have no direct connection. I'm very lucky about that. Nope. But I know many people who did lose somebody there. And if you lost somebody there, please grieve as you need to grieve. Take advantage of that memorial if it helps to heal your pain. Please do that. I'm just saying, not me. Not me. All of that bothers me. And then the last thing I guess it does is now we fight over it. And we still have people who want to go back over again and fight in Afghanistan and fight here and fight wherever. And I keep thinking to myself, it reinforced the idea that our veterans, their lives don't matter. And I'm not joking when I say that. When you think of 9-11, we lost almost 2,900, 3,000 Americans that day. What about the 7,000 veterans we lost in the 15 years after? Do we do we talk about them? What about the, what is it? How many do we have? 60 some odd thousand total casualties? I forgot how many. It's someone, over 50,000 casualties. How about all those tens of thousands of families destroyed because of stupid wars? How about that? All those things drive me crazy. I'm sorry. Um, not happy about this. I'm going to take your comments. I'm sure some of you are angry at me. Some of you aren't. I don't, I don't mean to be a nudge. I'm just telling you how I feel. I think it's just bad in general. Shelly says, I don't like all the politicians speaking when they weren't there. Weren't affected and clearly don't care, but pretend for votes. Yeah, they do it because they have to. They use it as a, they use it as a, another way of saying, see, I care without doing the thing that would show they care, right? Doing the thing would be get the troops home, shut the military industrial complex down, right? Stop caring about veterans, um, all those things, all those things that would actually do the thing that would show you care versus I flew to a, to New York City, which is my city and make, and makes all of the, the traffic terrible for the entire day. I'm going to trash New York City um, traffic and I'm going to show up and say, oh, my head's down and I care. Or let me read some names or something. Vote for me. No. Terrible. Yes. Gary agrees. I think politicians exploit the ceremonies uh, to try to touch base with others who would normally uh, tune them out. Yeah. It's true. See, I was there. Take pictures and show stuff. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Look, I am clearly not a Biden fan, but I am glad he got us out. Clearly, it was a disaster how he got us out. Oh, my God. I mean, I don't, clearly it was bad, but I'm glad he got us out. I am. And you know what? I'm glad Trump started it. I'm, I'm going to give credit to both of them. Trump, without Trump, we don't even do the we don't even leave. And now Biden gets us out. As bad as it was, at least we're out. I mean, I'm so torn on that too. I'm, but I'm glad we're out at least. So, Fatima, thank you. I'm preaching. I am. Thank you so much. Yes. John says, any 9-11 ceremonies I see just remind me that more of our basic rights were stripped from us based on fear. Yes, you're reading my mind, John. Right? People who are afraid make bad decisions. And, and the thing that you'll hear me say often it is rare, not as much now, 
Now it's changed. I said now nowadays do it. Prior to the the our recent um, plague issues, prior to that, Americans didn't really rarely gave our rights away. I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Americans really just had the rights taken away, right? The government rarely just took rights away. Usually, we would eagerly give them away. We would happily give them away. And that was a perfect example. We begged the government to take everything. We begged for the NSA. We begged for the TSA. We were ha- please take our rights away. Oh my God, we're afraid. Take our rights away. Some of that happened recently, but a lot of that, they just did. You're seeing it now, just doing it. Why? We've been training them for years that it's okay that we'll that that once we're afraid, we'll beg you to take our rights away. We've been training them. And I mean you and I, John. I mean as a nation, right? Obviously not you and I, but as a nation, we've been tr- t- teaching our you know leaders take our rights away. We're afraid. I I teach this in my communication classes uh, for business, for professional um, business. I often say things like. People usually communicate with you the way you train them to. Now, you may be doing that purposefully or not purposefully, but generally speaking, people communicate with you the way you train them to communicate with you. Again, there are some exceptions. General rule. Well, our government is communicating with us the way we've trained them to communicate with us, which is, oh, I can just take your rights. You'll roll over. Just take your rights then. I think that's it. Yes. Tommy. Tommy, I'm with you. I don't like. Um, I don't like how some of some of these are done. My feeling is there should be a focus on the total laws of life. That too. 9-11 was our current day Pearl Harbor. You need to focus on this on the on the scar on the surface. Um, oh, okay. Uh, the vets are sent off to war. Some dollars come home. Home to no care. Has to change. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Um, racist as, as a veteran, I appreciate this. Somebody need to say it. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yes. Brian says, I, I, use, I use the politicians' virtual signaling, okay, as a means to remind them of the liberties they, that subsequently eroded and ask them what they were going to do about the most recent presidential power grab. You know, here's the problem, Brian. We've trained our government that the that the power grab is for our own good and that we're okay with that. And again, I know you aren't okay with it. I'm aware of that. I'm not okay with it, but clearly most Americans are. So they don't even see it as a power grab. They, they see our resistance as silly or dumb or selfish. They don't see it or immature. That's how they see our resistance. They see the power grab as, Brian, why are you, just listen to what dad says. Why are you being so a nuisance? Dad's right. Listen to what dad says. That's how they look at us. That's how they see the situation. We, but, but we, as a nation, trained our government to be our father, our mother. So they are. We've trained them to do so. Yes. Dustin says, the tragedies of 9-11 have been used as a pretext for the U.S. to invade countries that didn't have anything to do with it and just sads me. Yeah. And for us to keep doing it and to keep bombing and to keep attacking, to keep doing it. Absolutely. Yes. So Carter says, I said, turn to glass. Dude, I thought the same way. 
I thought the same way. I am guilty of thinking exactly the same way. I was affected by this like so many others were. And I hate that I was. But I'm not going to say it in line. No, I was I was super libertarian judgment when I was like, don't do it. No, I was like, get them. I was thinking like most Americans were. I was completely sucked up in this, just like all the rest. And I hate that I was. But I'm not going to lie to tell you I wasn't. I was, I was right in line with all the rest of them. Shaking my fist and yelling USA. I was doing it too. I was doing it too. Absolutely. But I have changed. <laughs> so, yes, absolutely. So, yes. The new mass security theater. Yeah, another great one. Security theater is important. It makes you feel like we're doing something. I'm taking control, right? I'm taking control. Yes, 100%. I'm doing something. See? Semper Fly, brother. I appreciate that. Yes. So Daniel says, yes, do we have an annual Columbine shooting ceremony or an Oklahoma City bombing ceremony? This is pure politics. You know, they might have something locally, but if they do, I would get that, right? That would make sense, right? Because the people there locally lost something, maybe, I guess. I don't know. But I think there's a difference here, right? In this one, I, I get where you're going, but there's a difference, right? In the case of Columbine and in the case of Oklahoma, it wasn't the outsiders attacking us. That was in, that was us. We attacked each other on that one, right? Kids in Columbine, an adult in Oklahoma City. But that was that was us attacking ourselves. How do you have a ceremony for that? Does it work? I'm not sure it does. I don't know. Brian's always remember it was preventable. Yeah. Yes. In more ways than than one, Brian, it was right in more ways than one. Our foreign policy and some of you may not know this, but it's been told often our our infrastructure was so was so broken or supposedly broken that people were literally telling the FBI something was wrong. And the FBI was like, what ifs? whatevs they just didn't even care literally there were people who said they were flight instructors this is a true story flight instructors where the the, the guys who flew the plane were trying to learn how to fly a plane but they weren't learning how to land so the flight instructor was like you you don't care to land like that nah, nah, we don't care about landing and he was like oh, oh, oh okay fbi these dudes they learn how to fly a plane they don't want to learn how to land like they don't care and the fbi was like whatever I'm not joking. That's what actually happened. The guy calls up the FBI. Some guy's trying to learn how to fly a plane. He's got to land. Something's up. And they went, whatever. Didn't get to whoever needed to get to. So we had to make the NSA because that'll make it happen. And then we started making up stuff. That was the next thing. We started making up stuff. Yes. James says, fear is the path of the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. There's a dark side. I was part of it too, James. Absolutely. Yes. So uh, let's see here. Uh, Danny says, how do we as people demand better and reign in this massive government overreach post 9-11? You know, I'm going to keep saying it. We got to have a third party. I know some of you think, oh, Larry, just running your libertarian stuff again. It's, let me tell you, serious, this is serious. Look, of course I'm a libertarian. Of course I want to be libertarian part. Of course I do. But even a green would work. Just something third party. Independent would work. Please, libertarian. But any third party would work. 
if you got a third party, the other two parties can't just go other guy bad. The biggest advantage I have when I run is that I have actual policies. That's the biggest advantage. Why do you think that when I debate tons of people, left, right, whatever I debate them, I don't get my butt kicked? Because I'm not talking about rhetoric. I talk about actual policies. Then they have to actually discuss my policies and say whether it's good or bad or whatever. You know what? Let's say my policies are bad. So what? They can fix them. We'll have better policies. I'm happy to get my butt kicked. Let's have better policies. No worries. Our policies now are terrible. All bad. They're not working at all. Third party. That's how we do it. Libertarian party. That's the way. Yes. Absolutely. So. All right. Paula says, everyone is running off a cliff and those of us running away from the edge are getting canceled and shamed. You're right there. Guys, thank you for bringing this up, Paula. Do you know how shadow banned I am? I am shocked how, and it was so obvious. If you guys remember that one meme that I did a show on last week, it it got, it, it was, there was enough likes, comments, and shares that it got past the algorithm and it exploded. I got 21,000 different likes, whatever on it. And that's happened a couple times before. If enough likes and shares, it gets past the shadow banning algorithm. And has to get past that many for me to explode. I have been putting more effort, as you've seen, higher quality, as you've seen, better shows, as you've seen, and my viewership doesn't skyrocket. When people who are far worse than I am in every way, shape, or form, their viewership skyrockets. Why? Because I'm shadow banned. Yes, we are canceled and shamed and shadow banned. Terrible. So what am I going to ask you right now? You got it. Like, comment, share. Please like. Please comment. Please share. If you want to get past the shadow ban, I do. We got to get enough people to like this, comment, and share it. Oh, my God. Share it so that other people see it and go, oh, huh, okay. Let me see what's going on. And then I get past the shadow ban. The shadow ban. That's the point. So please do that if you would. I know I ask it all the time. Please do it. And, of course, please support my sponsors. Right, so head over and take the political affiliation quiz. Yes, not the world's smallest political quiz. And I asked that question. I said the political affiliation quiz. I took that last week and I showed you guys in the show how it works. Please take that quiz. Very interesting. Click that link right there. Take the quiz. You've already taken it. No worries. Click it and share it with somebody else. Yes, I'm asking it again. Share, share, share. As they say, the Care Bears, sharing's caring. Care about me. Share. I would appreciate it. And of course, if you do want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash sharpway, throw me a couple bucks so I can keep the show going. But either way, take that quiz. It does matter. Let me grab a couple more if I could. All right. Um, Andrew says, Hulu has a series about 9-11 called The Looming Tower in reference to WTC. GWB, W. Bush knew, knew about it and ignored it. Huh. Maybe. Ryan says, if you were president, how would you have executed the withdrawal from Afghanistan differently? I'm going to give you, it's it's actually grossly simple, Ryan. It, it is grossly simple. If you look at Afghanistan as the country and where Kabul is, Kabul is not exactly in the center, but it's pretty close to the center. It's more, it's kind of to the east, but it's kind of center-ish. There's a bunch of provinces. Each province in Afghanistan has, a, a I guess, an, an administrative capital, right? A city where most of the government is. Literally, month by month, you remove the outer side. So the outer ones, you simply withdraw from. You tell them every month, 30 days, I'm withdrawing. 
and you withdraw to get to Kabul. You just withdraw. You just withdraw. Why would that have worked? Because for 30 days, all of the outer provinces would have fallen under Taliban rule, officially, right? Some were already Taliban rule, but you make it officially, boom. So now what do you do? They now have to see, we see exactly how they're going to run their country for 30 days. How are they going to run it? Next 30 days, troops come back. So if I only have 3,000 troops, this is just military logic, as I bring my everything down smaller and smaller, it's an organized withdrawal. The troops come back. So this is, they're covering a smaller area. The troops are more dense. You have, you have stronger defense, stronger static defense as troops come together. It's, it's grossly simple, just province by province every 30 days. So now all the Americans in there know if you're in the outer province, you got 30 days to get yourself out. You can't, you're screwed. And if you're in inner province, you might have 60 or 30 or 90 days or whatever it takes to get to the, to the center. So, and now not everyone's rushing to the airport. Only the outer people have to rush to the airport. If they get caught, so what? Once you're in Kabul, Kabul's the last place to go. So every 30 days, it would be probably four months, three or four months, until you're at Kabul. Until you're at Kabul. Once you're at Kabul, then you know what's going to happen on the outside. If the Afghani people are unhappy with the Taliban, they got a reason to fight, don't they? Because they can see what's going to happen. They can fall back with Americans. See that? They'll just fall and run. You abandon the outside, and, 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 and if the Afghanis run back and don't fight, you know already they're not fighting, right? Because in the outskirts, they'd be fighting or they wouldn't. You would see it happen. It's that grossly simple. Province by province, you withdraw. You don't retreat. You withdraw. Orderly withdraw all the way to Kabul. By the time you get to Kabul, there should be no civilians left. Literally, you've given them months. And if you just care about Afghanistan, you want to stay there and fight the Taliban or whatever, good on you. Stay and fight. Your life, do what you want. It's gro- It's that simple. We absolutely could have pulled out that way if we wanted to, and we didn't. It be, I, I, my worry is, I think why they didn't. The military-industrial complex didn't want to leave. They wanted it to be a disaster, and they were hoping we'd go back in. That was a multi-trillion dollar grift that they just lost. They're not happy. So, yes. Gary says, great point. Thank you on that, Gary. I appreciate that. Yes. Yes. Let's see if I can do this here. Um, let's see. Ray says, let's go on further and mention the servicemen and women who are still dying from the trauma this bullshit will cause. Yes, Ray. Thank you for that, too. Thank you. And that was my, I think that was my point, right? That, that, that I, I should have been clearer on this. Not only were the people who were wounded there physically, which we know is tens of thousands, but also those who are wounded by things we can't see, like PTSD, like TBI, like other forms of trauma, right? That we can't see, the invisible injuries that we can't see. Now they come back, all of them. And the worst part about that is, and Ray, you know where I'm going with this. When the individual veteran comes back with an invisible injury, the damage they do to those their loved ones is often worse than what they do to themselves because they affect their loved ones and their loved ones they don't get it they can't right if you come back this is going to sound horrible but i hope you get where i'm going with this if you come back and you've lost the limb you've lost an arm or a leg or something like that you have a burn wound something the average american can see it and 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 handle it and and deal with it go okay i got it right Louis, he lost his leg. 
Let me deal with this issue. I can handle it. I see why he's upset or, or whatever. Let me try to help him. I get it, right? I can, I can handle that issue. But when that injury is invisible, how do I handle it? How, how do I handle some guy who's got traumatic brain injury and I can't see the damage? And he doesn't even know he has it. Or PTSD. How do I handle that? I don't know if he's got PTSD or not. How do I know? And how does he know? Like, how do we know, right? How do we deal with it? Sometimes those invisible injuries are worse than literally losing a limb. Sometimes they're worse. So I'm with you. And it comes to a point where many of them, as you know, take their life. And when someone commits suicide, they don't end the pain. They just transfer onto their loved ones and magnify it. Sorry. They magnify their pain and then put it on their loved ones. So nothing but bad. So, yeah. David says, I think if we can't articulate a plan to repeal the Patriot Act, DHS, et cetera, then yeah, terrorist one. Yeah. We're nowhere near that. David, I would ask you, do you know any mainstream politician with any kind of power at all who's saying repeal Patriot Act and end all of this, remove it all? I mean, maybe one or two, but they don't have an actual power. The parties don't want to. The parties have with it. Remember, the Patriot Act created a bunch of government jobs. And they say a bunch of government jobs. It's a massive grift. This whole thing is about job creation and grifting. That's what it's actually about. War is a racket. Svenly Butler said that years ago. And he was right then. It's still true. This is about giving people jobs. Right? We won't get rid of TSA. Not because it works. It doesn't. And here's a fact. The TSA literally causes more harm than good. And that's not me just saying stuff. There have been more TSA agents arrested and convicted for felonies against passengers than felons they've caught. They literally do more harm than good and cost us billions of dollars. When I get rid of them, it's a jobs program. You guys are like, what? Yeah, it's a jobs program. So of course it is. Why, why would they get rid of it? All those guys, the NSA, spying on me and you, spying on me right now? Not get rid of those guys. That's a jobs program. And that's what it is. A massive job program. Absolutely. So yeah. So Dustin says, yep, just saw today a report that uh, proved Biden and the Pentagon lied about the final drone strike in Afghanistan, which ended up killing a U.S. ally and his family. I heard about that. It, yeah, yeah. So we we bombed our ally and said he was an enemy. How would we know? And let's say we did nothing. Let's say we just walked away. And let me you know let me walk down that road. Just thank you for bringing this up. We always feel like we have to have revenge. It's not always required. It's sometimes a good idea. Sending a message is sometimes a good idea. The question is, how do you do it? And what does it cost? I look at what Gandhi said. An eye for an eye. And we all go blind. I don't want that. I want to make sure we don't get hurt. I don't want anyone to take anyone's eye. I like us all to see. For as long as we possibly can see. However long that is. Right? However long I get to keep my eyesight. I'm going to keep it for as long as I can. Eventually I'll lose it. So will we all. But as long as I can. I'm going to keep it. That's it. So piece number one about this. Imagine 9-11 hits. And instead of us deciding, 
We, the world's going to hear us. We're going to create this axis of evil, blatant lie, bringing North Korea into this and all kind of stupidity. Iran is all of a sudden a bad guy. Everybody comes into this thing with a need to go into. It's all dumb. We don't do that. Instead, we say, okay, Osama's the guy. Got it. We send all of our special forces, all of them, immediately to go get him. All of our resources against him. Every single specialist, every single knowledgeable person that you'll ever hear will tell you the same thing. We'd have done that. We'd have got him probably within a year or two. We'd have got him. Right? We didn't do that. We started bribing Afghan warlords and making them. Look, send our guys. And I don't care what country it is. That's the issue. I don't care what country it is. If it's Pakistan, if they're, I mean, it's Russia. I don't care. We're going in and getting them. You want to fight us? Then that's a fight then. But we're getting them. Period. We're just going and getting them. If you don't get in our way, we don't shoot you. That's easy. We just take them. You get in our way, take them. You get shot. Or you get bombed or drone. Only if you physically get in our way of getting him. That's it. Minimum damage. And anyone who doesn't want to do that gets out of the way. Go take them. And they walk away. And we would have got them. And then when we get them, what if we just told the world? If you're a non-state actor and you think you're the big cool guy and hurt us, you're dead. That's it. So if you want to come out, but you can, you might hit us. You might get it. Hopefully you won't, but you might. Either way, you're dead. And your movement is over. Because we're not bombing other people. The reason why the movements stay is because we keep bombing people. So they keep getting angry. So they keep joining the movements. Now, next step. After we send our, our forces after that, after him, we immediately imagine this. We withdraw completely from the Middle East. Total withdrawal. Every American soldier out. And I know what people will tell you. Larry, then it'll, it'll be unstable. It's unstable now. Larry, there'll be death and destruction. There's death and destruction now. We haven't made it better. There's death and destruction and destabilization now. Well, Larry, they won't make a caliphate in, in the Middle East. There's one now. It's called Saudi Arabia. It's literally a caliphate. It exists, and they're our ally. Why do we care? Well, then there might have been, I don't know, Al-Qaeda or ISIS fighters in the Middle East. So they're there now. So what? Will they control Syria? So? Well, maybe the Chinese will get involved. Good, then let them fight for 20 years in Syria. Do you you see the weapons that the Afghanis have? They have two types of weapons, if you notice. AKs, right? And M16s. The Chinese gave them the AKs. We gave them M16s. There's no AK-47 factory in, in, in Afghanistan. No M16 factory in Afghanistan. Chinese is selling them weapons, and we gave it away in a grift. So imagine we just left. No more Americans running around. No more soldiers running around the Middle East at all. Imagine, by 2003, no soldier. Osama's dead. No American soldiers in the Middle East. Who are you going to fight? I'll tell you. Each other. That's not a good thing. I don't want them fighting. But they're going to fight each other anyway. How do we know this? That's what happens every single time. Every time. Not once. All the time. When we leave, they fight each other. Before we got there, what were they doing? Fighting each other. They were trying to create their own countries. Because of our colonization, our, I mean the West, not really American colonization, 
if you go back 100 years, America was looked upon as an honest broker because we didn't care about the lines. We just wanted we just wanted oil 100 years ago. We didn't care about anything else. We were like, give us oil. We don't care who the boss is. Just give us oil. We didn't care. But the French and the British, oh, they cared a lot about those lines. The Ottoman Empire, they cared all about where those lines were drawn. And they drew lines all over the place. And the people there were like, we don't care about these lines. Doesn't mean anything about us. We don't care. They've been fighting over finding the right lines for, for decades. And we talk about the sovereignty of the nation. They don't, have, they don't have a sovereign nation. They have tribes and issues and worries and concerns. They don't care about the lines we made up. They figured this out on their own. And they'll find an answer. That's what they'd be doing now. And Americans wouldn't be dying. And maybe we'll be, maybe instead of us getting our M16 drifted from contractors taking our tax money, maybe they'd be buying our M16s and we'd be making some money off it. They're going to have them anyway. Why do we cancel them weapons? Why? Chinese do. They want weapons. Buy weapons. Totally fine. Buy ours instead of theirs. We do it to the Saudi Arabians. The Saudis, they buy all our weapons. Let's let the Afghanis buy them too. But instead, we gave it to them through our tax. Our taxpayer dollars went into all those M16s, all those Humvees, and then we gave it to them. Wouldn't it be better if we had made them and sold them? Better, right? I don't, I don't know. Am, am I that crazy? Um, Black and, and Silver says, based on Bill Lowry, I appreciate you. Thank you, my friend. I do appreciate it. It's crazy. Yes. It's crazy. Brian says, when the whole world is running towards a cliff, he was running the opposite direction, appears to be a madman. C.S. Lewis, yes. Yes, absolutely. Dan says, there were other people killed in accidents, last murder, or died prematurely that day that had nothing to do with the attacks. Their deaths from the less tragedy to their loved ones. Agreed, Dan. If you lose somebody... You lost somebody. So, yeah, terrible day for you. And I hope, I, I hate when people lose people. We all lose people. And it hurts us when we lose people. But, yeah, you're right. Yes. So, all righty here. Um, let's see if I can go down this road a bit. Uh, Lila says, I know it was a way of blindsiding all of the crap Biden, Harris, Pelosi injected into the whole cabinet. And almost looked bad, though. The American people are covered by their crap. Was that for me? Oh, because the ceremony, is that what it was? Oh, okay. Maybe. Okay. Okay. Good. How will wages fare to inflation? John, this is a, I know it's a little bit off, but this is a big issue here. I'm not in any way, shape, or form upset about people wanting higher wages. I think that's normal. We all want higher wages. Good for you if you can get them, John, or whoever. Good. I hope you can get them. I think people should get higher wages. It's awesome. I love that idea. The problem is this is becoming in a situation where it's not it's not gradual and the market is going to be shaken up by it badly. The problem is we've been artificially holding wages down because of the minimum wage and other things for decades. And wages should have been going up already. Let's say the average wage should be twice as high as it is now. I'm making that number up for sake of argument only. If that had gone up over the past 20 years, the economy would have seen it and you would have been okay with it, right? If that, Because that would have raised prices, but you would have gotten it. You would have been able to adjust. You would have seen it happen. And we've seen it happen slowly as prices go up. We're able to handle it. When wages have to double overnight or triple in a year or two, the shock to the system is huge. And that's our biggest issue. My worry isn't that wages go up. If wages go up, they go up. If the market says, I'm not going to work for a certain fee, I want to work for more, 
No worries. That's that's fine. My worry is if it happens so quickly that the shock is so much for us that people start to have unnecessary pain. And that's what I think is going to happen now. We're going to have a lot of unnecessary pain and a lot of people quitting, people walking away, saying no, finding other ways. And of course, the worst part is black market. Why do I hate the black market? Not because I think people should be able to trade openly in, in the market. Of course, I want them to. The problem is when you have a black market, you will have violence. That's my problem, right? You will have violence. And the violence will mostly be state-sponsored violence as the cops come to tear you apart and destroy you. FBI does sting operations. And, of course, then locally people start shooting each other because they don't have courts. They don't have cops. So that's my worry. So I think wages are going to be a problem. The wages will have to go up or people aren't going to work. And again, I'm not against that happening naturally. John, if you think you're worth more, negotiate for more. Your boss won't give you the money. Don't quit or find a job or whatever is your thing or, or strike or whatever is appropriate for you. I think everyone should get the wage they think they're, they're worth, of course. But if we do that gradually, the market and the environment handles it. When it's overnight, man, smash. I don't mean obviously, but I mean you know, figuratively overnight. It just smashes everything. And then people feel worse because what happens when John's wages go up fast, but mine don't? So now I'm mad. Well, why is John getting all the cash and I'm not? So now I'm quitting. I'm getting mad. And now my industry suffers because John's industry went up faster than mine overnight. But if John's industry went up slowly and I watch and go, oh, I'm going to copy John. Then we also go up slowly and it, and it works. My worry is the shock is going to be really hard on a lot of people, particularly those who whose wages don't go up, right? You as yours go up, mine don't. Well, now I'm mad. So now we have a problem. So yes. Um, Ed says, neither was an inside job, which is a great excuse of us to lose our freedoms and have that endless useless war. Ed, I'm not sure it was an inside I don't think it was. However, let me put a however here. Of course, I can't be sure. But the worst part is, it's believable. It shouldn't be. Do you get where I'm going with this, Ed? It shouldn't be. You should say inside job, and everybody should, but they don't, and I understand why. Be like, no, I would never be that way. Our government would never do that to us, ever. That's what we all should be thinking, but we're not. Some people think, nah, it didn't happen. And I think it didn't happen. I do not think it's inside job. I don't. However, it's not like I think you're crazy. I don't. Oh, people tell me, I don't think you're crazy. It's it's believable. It's believable. And it, and it blows my That's my point about not trusting our institutions. The fact that that is believable is the problem, right? And again, I, I know I'm speaking fantasy with. I know I am, guys. Just I'm talking what I want to happen. I want us to trust our institutions that we would never believe that would ever be an inside job. I want us to believe that, but it's just not true. I hate it. I hate that I can go, eh, maybe. I don't want to say, I'm, I'm being crazy, but there's still a massive part of me. I want our country to be better. I want to believe our institutions. I do. I just don't. But I want to. Like, I want I want them to, to be better and go, see, Larry, we're we're good now. You can trust us now. I want that to happen. I just don't. And I don't want, I, I, I want what you just said to be so crazy, nobody believes it. And it's not true. 
people believe it. Lots of them do. Thank you for that, Ed, but because it makes sense, right? Here's my view. I think what actually happens, and this is my difference on, mo on most conspiracy theories, here's what I think usually is the actual truth, is what I believe. And that is people who are elite have plans that they want to use to grow their power or wealth or prestige or whatever is important to them. I think they put those plans like literally on a, on a shelf somewhere, either figuratively or maybe even literally. They're on a shelf somewhere. And they wait for a tragedy. Oh, and I love it happened? Huh. Let's do this. So if you're saying that is planned or, you know, if that's conspiracy, that I would believe. I just don't believe that they plan the whole thing. I think it's waiting for the event. Oh, that's the one? Okay. Let's do that. Right? Oh, a, a, a boat blew up? Let's say it was sabotaged. Here's our plan for that. So that's what I think the kind of thing that happens, right? It's like most military planners. They have plans to invade almost every country. Oh, we're going to make them? Yeah, this plan. Let's do it. We're in. Let's go. I think that's what happened in my view. So John says, Republicans and Democrat warmongers only care about 9-11 ceremonies justify their never-ending war on terror and the surveillance state. The surveillance state. John, this is the one that drives me crazy. Again, it's why I don't like 9-11. You know, they're keeping us safe. You know, they're keeping tabs on us, right? I mean, China has an actual surveillance state now. It exists. We're not moving away from them. We're moving closer to them. Moving closer to them. And this is both parties. They, like, the Republicans are against the Democrats are against They're both like, yeah, survey away. Of course, just do it. Yeah. So... Um, U.S. military and innocent Middle East civilian lives don't matter to them. That's sadly true. You're totally correct. It's obviously true, John. Obviously true. Yes, absolutely. So, all right. Um, see if I can keep grabbing these. Kunal says, there is a park in Newport which has two strips of light which point towards the Twin Towers, but nothing in front of it now. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Daniel says, maybe politicians view 9-11 as as big of a moment as the moon landing, because I can't think of any other event that brought the country together. What do you think, Larry? Here is the next thing, the, the reason why I hate 9-11. Because you would have thought that if America built something good, it would have been rebuilding the towers. Right? No. America hasn't built anything worthy in decades what have we built i mean maybe am i missing something if i'm missing tell me if i'm wrong on this tell me i'm wrong i can't think of anything that america has built in the last 50 years that's impressive i mean unless you count um, do you count us building the internet is, is that international i don't know, do you count us doing it if if you if you would count us as building the internet then i would say internet but I'm not sure that's an American. That depends, that, that's iffy. Maybe internet. Big deal. Agreed. But that'd be the only thing if you count that as American. But what have we built, physically built? Last big thing we did was the moon landing? World War II? Is that what we're talking about now? 9-11, we could have rebuilt the towers. Bigger, badder, stronger. Same towers all over again. We could have done it in like five or six years. Done. Built up. Right back. Boom. 
back, baby. Look at that. We didn't. If what brings us together now is remembering a day that we got our ass kicked, how broken are we, Daniel? How broken are we? Look at the other ones that we talk about, the moon landing and World War II. D-Day is the one we talk about all the time, right? Lots of people died getting to the moon, right? Astronauts died, people died getting to the moon. But we don't worry and, and talk about all the people who died. Talk about the brave people who survived and did it, D-Day. Lots of Americans got mowed down by German machine guns on D-Day. We know this. But the ones we're talking about are the ones who survived and pushed through anyway. They saw the pain and pushed through anyway. The astronauts saw people blowing up in space, literally blowing up in the sky, and they went anyway. That's bravery. That's power. That's amazing. We should talk about that. 9-11, we talk about the people who died. Don't get me wrong. Some people who talk about the heroes of that day, not enough. It should be all about the heroes of that day. That should be, If it was only about that, I'd probably be more okay with 9-11 if it was more about that. Because there were some seriously brave Americans on that day. Many brave Americans on that day. Flight 93, all the first responders. And again, I said again, after the first tower went down, there were still first responders who wanted to go into the second tower. Mind-blown bravery. Mind-blown bravery. How could you How could you want to go back in? It's another tower when the first one collapsed. How, they had to say, no, you can't go in. It's going to collapse. They want to go in anyway. Crazy, crazy bravery. That, that to me is what we should be talking about all the time. Yes. Brian said, 15 days to flatten the curve just became three jabs to feed your family. Yeah. Yep. Matt says, wouldn't it be a great world if we lived in a world where we didn't have to question the government, the media, and other institutions, not because we were, we were blinded by the BS, but because they were actually ethical and honest? Matt, yes. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? I would love a world like that. I would just love if our country was that way. Forget the rest of the world. I mean, that'd be, of course, just, just our own government, just transparent, like that when they screw up, they say they screwed up. And when someone wrong, they say that someone went wrong and they would admit that they're not perfect and that it's a big grift. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. Shelley so says, also, sadly, when people saw the cadaver, uh, cadaver dogs, they started filling trucks with dog food. What? Will be Goldberg is right if we say that the causes kittens and puppies, everyone doing it. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes. People care more about the dogs. Oh, my God. Yeah. I see that actually in my own. Oh, Shelly, this is off topic, but I'm going to say it. It's AMA, right? So I see it in my own neighborhood. My own neighborhood in Astoria, Queens, we have homeless people here. Not as many in Astoria as we have other parts of the, of the, of the, of the, um, of the borough. But people are more worried about stray cats and stray dogs than stray humans. It's true. Yes. It's true. More worried about that. Yes. So... Uh, Chad says, yeah, people claim China's the enemy, but they cheer us becoming more like them. Yeah, they're actively pushing us towards them. They're the enemy. Let's be like them. But but they're the enemy. Yeah, they're terrible. They're bad. Be like them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Kevin says, we built the entire highway system in 10 years, but can't build two towers into it. Yeah. Thank you. That's, that's, thank you, Kevin. Yes. 
right? Lindzen says, um, Lyndon says, the most impressive things accomplished have been a result of free market capitalism. Also true. Yes, also true. Matt says, America built the largest surveillance network in a while to spy on their citizens and people around the world. Frightening, but impressive, especially how easily it was accepted. Um, I actually think the Chinese have might have a larger one. They might have a larger one. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and most of the surveillance network, I think a lot of it is based on social media built by private companies, right? A lot of the, 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 the surveillance network is taken off of social media. Like we give, again, we eagerly give our information away. I'm doing it now on social media. So maybe that I'm, I'm torn on that one. Maybe I think China might be bigger, Matt. And do you count the surveillance network as also counting all of the all of the tools that the market has provided. I'm not sure if you count that, maybe. Jericho says, I think SpaceX is pretty amazing, but that wasn't a government. I, I, is SpaceX amazing? We haven't gone to the planet yet. It's not bad, but you know, we've basically gone into orbit. We went to orbit in the sixties. So we're doing SpaceX doing what the government did 50 years ago, 60, 70, hold on. 60 years ago. I guess I'm, I'm not that impressed by it. When when SpaceX lands on the moon, they build a, a moon base that I'm impressed. Until then, eh. And that wasn't government anyway. So, yes. Well, actually, government grift, maybe. So, I don't remember. I don't know what the 73 is before. We, I don't know what that one is. Sorry about that. Dick says, Larry, you're wrong. We just built the Mario Cuomo Bridge in New York. Dick, you trying to drive me crazy, right? Yeah. Okay. We did. Yeah. We built a bridge that was over budget, still broken, and just embarrassingly bad. Yes. Lennon says, we built an impressive amount of debt. Okay. Uh, okay. Yes. That's true. Yes. So, technology, Apple products. Uh, it's impressive, but, I mean, do you count that as a... Um, this is a good question, Fatima. Do we count that as... Do we count that as American or not? I, I could see you saying yes, but isn't that also isn't that also private sector? Isn't that also not isn't that not initiated by the government, but just used by the government as part of the surveillance state? And isn't it also international? So I, I'm I'm unsure on that one. Again, I'm I'm kind of I'm bouncing on this one with Matt too. I'm not sure. Maybe look, I could be wrong. Maybe. Maybe. David says, accidental explosion in the USS Maine to hell with Spain. Remember the Maine. Next thing you know, space kicked out of Cuba, the Philippines, Puerto Rico. Yep. See, that's this is my point, David. I don't think that the Maine was necessarily planned. If I remember the story right, there was some kind of explosion in the Maine, that, that USS Maine, and it actually wasn't in Spanish. It was like a, you know, some, some, some boiler explosion or something, whatever happened in the USS Maine, right? Some explosion. And then they blame the Spanish and, oh, we can blame the Spanish. Here's the plan to kick them all out of uh, Cuba, Philippines, and Puerto Rico. Let's do this. That's what I think happened. I don't think we planned the USS Maine. I think we were ready for the problem when it happened. That's what I think. Paula says, I don't think that was an inside job either, but the government's response to the tragedy was, to me, more terrifying than the attack itself. And that's my point again. Yes, you guys are on the same page here. I think they were ready for it. They were, they were, they were ready for the thing. 
the thing happened at B911. Now, there's people who believe, and I have seen some data that I think might be real, that that um, FDR knew about Pearl Harbor or that his people were aware of it. He didn't do anything. He just let it happen. Now, I don't know if it's be true, but there's there's evidence that says that. And I, you could believe it. And it, would, it wouldn't make, it would, I wouldn't be shocked if it were true. Maybe the same thing happened here. Maybe when the people were saying, hey, remember as Collins and Rice says, there was a, there was a brief they got. Al-Qaeda ready to attack with planes or whatever it was. And they were like, eh, if it happens, it happens. We got the plan. So maybe they were like, whatevs. Again, my point is, I don't think they planned it, but they were ready for a thing. The thing happened. Here comes the plans. That's what I think. Yes. Charles says, it's believable. Yes, Charles, and I wish it wasn't. Both versions of the 9-11 event are believable. Correct. Yes. The Nuno clip says, Larry, U.S. government, specifically Bush administration, wanted us to believe it was an inside job so that they deflect. They allowed it to occur with Saudi involvement. Oh, so you're saying that when people say it's an inside job, the government actually didn't stop them from believing that or saying that. Because you think they simply allowed it to happen. I actually, I think that's actually more believable than the inside job thing. And it shouldn't be. This goes, yes, just goes back to Charles. I wish it wasn't. I wish I would just tell you, you're crazy. But I can't say that. But yeah. Jericho says, I think they just capitalized on a tragedy. I don't think it was planned. I'm on the same page. I, I think that's true. I do think that that does it, right? I, I think that's true. Yes. So um, there was a Building 7. My friends helped clean it up. Oh, I, yes. I remember they were cleaning it up. Absolutely. Yes. Avi says 9-11 wasn't an inside job, but Bush definitely was negligent in preventing it. That, yeah, that's obvious, Avi. That, yes. And because he was in bed with the Saudis and allowed us to confront them properly, leading us to buying their oil, and keeping the military industrial complex happy, start fracking and let the Saudis go back to the Stone Age and screw their coats. Uh, okay, we don't, you can get rid of the last part, Avi, but all the rest, yes. I don't, they don't have to go doing that, but the Saudis can just do their own thing. How about that? Let's just keep it at that. The Saudis can do their own thing. I'm with you. Let the Saudis do their own thing. But yeah, I, I do think that you have, there were a lot of connections, there still are deep connections with the Saudis and, and, and the Americans, deep connections. And I think a lot of that was a thing, right? The, the thing that when people talk about the swamp or people talk about, you know, the deep state and stuff like that, those are basically, you know, bureaucrats and consultants that swarm around DC. That's who they are. They've been around for decades and they stay around and they're all about grifting. They're about getting money from the government for doing other things and who cares what else happens. And that's part of that. I think it's, uh, I agree. Yes, it's definitely part of that. Yes. So, all right. Um, let's see here. Matt says, immediately after 9-11, I heard the inside job theory and thought, no effing way. This will look crazy. I did too, right? I'm with you. When I first heard that, I was like, nuts, nuts. That was 20 years ago. I, I, if this was 20 years ago and Neuron Clip said that, I'd be like, he's crazy. That's what I would have thought. You're correct. I would have been like, he's crazy. That never happened. Ed says that. I'm calling Ed a nut. You're correct. I, 20 years ago, I'm calling Ed a nut. Absolutely true. Now? 
Matt continues, then I educated myself over the last 20 years, and now I'm like, yeah, maybe. Matt, I'm with you. We are simpatico. 100%. This was 20 years ago. I'd have called all of them crazy. You're right. I would have. Now? <laughs> You're right. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Michael says, uh, lol, I don't agree again. Uh-oh. Michael's getting mad at me. I still love you, Michael. There is no, there is violence in some black markets. There are some not black markets who are just saying. Um, I think that's that's true, right? But the and usually those black markets are smaller local markets where people kind of know each other and they've either either done business with each other for a long time or there are cultural norms that everyone understands. But as you begin to make larger black markets, you're encouraging violence. And why? Because there's going to be misunderstandings. People aren't going to pay their bills. Problems are, it's bound to happen. There's, there are no real contracts because in the black market, you tend to not want to write things down because that's how the government gets you. And the violence isn't just within the black market. As I mentioned, the violence is also the government coming after you because you're not paying your taxes, right? So you got government sponsored violence also on the black market too. So I think it could happen if it's a, a smaller, more localized black market where the cops aren't paying attention. Possible. But most black markets, particularly if things get really bad, become larger. And now that the government looks and goes, wait a minute, that's a bunch of money coming around. I'm not getting my cut. Government can't not get its cut. So then now all of a sudden the cops come in. So now it's state-sponsored violence. See, I think you're going to have violence in, in most black markets. I would say almost all that get bigger than anything local and anything small. Because it just happens, right? What happens, Michael, when I don't pay my bill? In the regular market, you can call the cops. If I steal something from you, you can sue me if I don't pay my bill. We write out contracts. So the odds of me understanding and misunderstanding are slimmer. I may still misunderstand, but the odds go down if we write it out in the contract. It's like I probably know what I'm doing and what, what's expected of me better than if we don't. On a handshake and a whatevs, well, I thought you, you said Tuesday. I thought it was Thursday. I don't show up till Thursday. You're mad. I say, I want my money anyway. You don't like it. We're not calling cops. We're not suing. Somebody's pulling out a bat or a gun. So that's kind of, I think, how most of the time black markets work. So anyway, I hope that was clear at least. But your, your point's valid, I think, in, in some case. But I think most of the time it really does. So um, the is it Apiros World Project says, the problem with wages is being off the gold standard. Um, that's a problem. More than that, it's more than that. It's also government interference in the market. Also, um, it's it's also a it's also government interference with with the employment process too much, right? Not just when it comes to government regulation. I actually don't mind the idea of what it's supposed to be. Regulation meaning to make regular, right? So if the government's going to say something like, if you're in America, um, you know, this phrase means this thing in a contract, and that's a rule. This word means this thing in a contract. If that's your regulation, eh, I'm okay with that. You're just making it regular. We understand that a, a pound is a pound, a dollar is a dollar, or whatever the case may be, right? If you're making it regular so the consumer understands what they're getting, 
so that businesses can function better with each other because the language is clear on what everything means, that type of regulation, yeah, I'm fine with it. It's fine. I'm not going to fight that. But we do far more than that. We say who can hire who, for how much, for when, all those things. And sometimes we go too far. And that also changes wages. And then, because it also affects unions, right? If if the government does all the job of a union, why do you require a union? If the government does less, you require a union. When the government changes, union powers become different, right? Because the bargaining changes. So that's it's a whole, when a union depends on the government and the government doesn't do the thing, then the union is screwed. So yes, it's more than that. So yes, and is what I would say. I guess we're doing the uh, we're doing the uh, um, what's up with you? Yes, and improv. We're doing improv. Yes. All right. Brian says more often than not, when we pick a side in someone else's dispute, both sides get against us. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. David says the European powers 100 or more years ago divided the continent of Africa with any regard to the tribes of the continent. Yes. Same with the Middle East. Absolutely. Same with the Middle East. 100 percent true. Yes. And that's a problem. 100 percent. All right. Um, Let's see here. Craig says, maybe you've addressed it already, but you've said before that you watched the second plane hit. He talked through the whole story, where you were doing and what you were thinking, if you're comfortable. I'd rather not. There were a lot of negative emotions that day, Craig, that I'm not really proud of. I remember one of my friends right after being very calm and smart and savvy about it much better he actually said to me he goes i remember his words i remember kind of what he said he said you know what if it was me i would react to this face with a dustpan and broom so he said dustpan and broom clean it up and then go get the guy in a targeted strike and at that point i was like you're crazy you're dumb I, I want the world to burn. I was all mad and angry and wanted them all paid. Kill them all. I was that guy. And he was right. And I thought he was stupid. I thought he was silly. Didn't know anything. I thought he was ignorant. Didn't know how things work. That's what I thought. So, yeah. I, I don't like the feelings that I had then. He was right. And I thought he was stupid and crazy. And he was right. So... He was smarter than me. So, yes. All right. So, yes. All right. Um, let's see if I can keep doing this. Shelly says, Avi should have a newspaper column. I love his comments. Avi, you got a fan. I like it. You got a fan, Avi. I like that. Very good. Uh, Dixie says, FDR wanted to go to war. I think that's true. America did not. Yep. Also true. He was consistently violating foreign policy and supplying houses with weapons. If he didn't know Pearl Harbor was going to happen, he certainly took advantage of it and used it to, to, to use it to get the buy-in for war from the American people. I agree, Dixie, 100%. Yes, you're absolutely right. Yes. Paul says, never let a good crisis go to waste. Literally every politician. Yes, Paul. Yes. I was assuming California doesn't recall Governor El Duce Mussolini was just sell AT, uh, California to China or Mexico. Anyway, all the leftist lunatics will be happy. They will finally have socialism and can enslave themselves, their communist masses, or drug cartel leaders. California has become a state for South Park parody. Um, the, the problem with, with this, Avi, is 
California is a huge state. And I don't just mean that in size. I mean, it is physically a big state. But it's also over 30 million people. Is it 38 million now? Something like that? It's like, I think 38 million. There's a lot of people there. And while there are a lot of people who exactly are leftist lunatics, those people exist, there's also a lot of people who aren't leftist lunatics there either. There's a lot of people there who aren't any of those things. And now we're punishing all of them too, right? I mean, even if only 10% of Californians are not crazy, uh, that's probably how I'm kidding. I'm teasing you, California. Um, that's still 3.8 million people, larger than every city in the United States except New York. That, so there's even just 10%. If it's 20%, now we're talking about 7 million people. That's more than most states. So even though California does have some nutty people in it, with so many people there, there's a lot of people who don't deserve what's happening. So I'd like to save every state to include California. I'd like to do that. Yes. Tom says, same feelings here, Larry. Had the same feelings. Not proud of it. Yeah. That's what I felt. Yeah. Absolutely. So Michael says, I think it depends more on the people if there's violence in the black market. Some black markets are more like farmers markets than traps. Um, yes. L- let me walk down that road, Michael, because uh, I, I know you're, you're, you're chatting about this. Um, I think, as I said, if it's local and small, like a farmer's market, I think generally speaking, you're right. But even that, when the, when the, when the authorities all of a sudden decide, you know what, we need to write some tickets. They're going to come down and start cracking heads on the farmer's markets. It does happen sometimes. So again, that becomes state sponsored violence. But what happens when that, that, what happens and I'll give you a good example of this. This is California. Up to my California. California has, has of course, uh, legalized weed, but it's expensive because of taxation. So what happens? Black market. So you don't think of weed farmers as being violent. Generally speaking, they're not, right? Um, so that's to your point. They're farmers. It's a cannabis market. Generally speaking, they're not violent. There's exceptions, obviously. Generally speaking, they're not. So they started growing their own markets and selling their own weed in the black market. Well, it got too big. And the legal markets got mad. Legal farmers got mad. What did they do? Well, California got smart, lowered all the taxes to be fairer. <laughs> of course not. That's so stupid. California did that. What California did said was literally call in state agents to seize all of the cannabis with violence and guns, take all of it, and then hire at taxpayer money hire an actual consultant to burn it all. That's violence. So even when the people don't do it, the state does, if it gets big enough. So yes. So, all right. Um, Let's see. Jeffrey says, Larry, I also the same, but 20 years later, I've grown as a person. That growth on the part of many Americans is important. Agreed. Because maybe we have a shot at changing our disastrous foreign policy if more Americans grow up and vote against the establishment. Jeffrey, yes, yes, and yes. Yes, yes, and yes. 100%. Michael says, you got me there, bud. Uh, see, I'm not saying the people are violent, Michael. Some of them are, but m- most cannabis farmers are not, right? The best are not. But then the government gets you, so it becomes state-sponsored violence. I would like us just have regular markets, so that government doesn't start that, and then we're good. So let's have more of that. I think that's that's much a much better way of of making um, this happen, right? It's a much better way of doing it. 
if, if we could actually make that happen in a much better way. So, all right, let me see if I can keep going down here. I'm going to grab something. If I, if I can find some of the older um, comments, Tim says, we can't build towers because of code enforcement, probably. There's my conspiracy theory. Yeah, it's kind of. By the way, um, for everyone to know, Tim will be um, he will be headlining my show tomorrow, a free solution. Noon tomorrow, Tim will be filling in for me. I will be in D.C. doing some uh, press and some media in D.C. tomorrow. Um, he will be picking that up for me. So thank you for that, Tim. I appreciate it. If you want to watch uh, Tim tomorrow at noon on A Free Solution, you can check that out on A Free Solution on YouTube and on Facebook. Noon Eastern tomorrow. So, yes. Uh, thank you for that, by the way, Tim, for filling in. Man. I do appreciate that. Yes. Um, Matt says, I was just trying to find something America did. It's Slim Pickens. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. David says, China is an enemy only when the Democratic Party says it is. That's good. Anyone not a Democrat criticizing China over COVID is the equivalent of calling all Asians derogatory names. Ooh. Yeah. It's it's funny how sometimes being anti-China is okay, and then other times being anti-China is racist. That's 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 a good yeah, that's true. It depends. On, on on who's saying what, right? Who's saying what? Absolutely, yes. So, all right. Um, Lyndon says, the government can do the same thing to legal markets when they change their minds. Vape industry. Ah, valid point, Lyndon. Yes. The government can be violent against even legal industries. Also true, legal markets. Very true. It, they can. Well, look, you know if it's my world, it's as little, you know, as we can possibly get. As small as we can possibly get, right? That's the goal. Again, all I do I want the government to step in when people are being fraudulent? Yes, of course, right? If you're lying to your customers, if you're putting the wrong, if you're not being transparent with your customers, if you're cheating, your, yes, step in. That's why you have courts and cops. Absolutely. But as long as you're giving your customers what your customers want, oh, sorry, what the customers realize, what you're saying you're giving, what's the problem? Why are we getting involved? So fraud is still a crime, right? And that's my, my point of make regular. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to give you a, the, my best example I can give you with this regulation piece. And I'm going to make a touchy subject. Second Amendment. People say I want no regulation. I wouldn't be against all regulation. And let me give you a, a made-up example. And I'm purposely touching a touchy subject. Purposely doing this on purpose. You know I'm pro-2A. But what if, I'm making this up, um, people were complaining, particularly people of smaller stature, older people or maybe smaller bone people, because some of, the, some of the firearms that they were buying, the recoil was too strong. And it was messing with the shoulders and all kinds of problems. They don't know. So a state government says, hey, you know what? You're going to sell a firearm in my state. You can sell it. No worries. But you got to have a rating system on the recoil. You don't have to change what you do, but you got to have a rating system. You got to let people know, whatever. Come on, the system that says, you know, it rates at one, two, three, four, ten, whatever. Got a rating system. If the government says something like that, that simply regulates, meaning makes regular market. You know what firearm has what amount of kick. You can make a better decision as which firearm to purchase as a consumer. Or if you don't care about kick, you ignore it if you don't care. But if you care about the recoil, you can look, oh, this is a three, and I'm okay with the four or three or whatever. You could do that. That type of regulation, eh, 
I'm not going to fight over that. I'm not going to fight over that. But you can't buy this piece of plastic or you can't buy this. I have a problem with that. That, in my view, is infringing and stopping. But if you just want to make something regular so now the consumer knows, I'm fine with that. Whatever. That I'm not going to fight over that. Right? If that's what we were doing, it'd be a whole lot better. If that's what we were doing. If that's how we were regulating, that's what we'd be doing. Right? Now we know. Right? Much better. Anyway, just... That, that, I hope that was clear in what I'm saying, right? I, I, I hope that uh, that's clearer. So, yes. <laughs> All right. Shelly says, just use a Swedish Mauser, muscle recall. Yeah, it's a, see, I, I don't know if that's actually a problem. I made that problem up, Shelly. I mean, because I know that some people, when they purchase some firearms, don't understand the recall and they get afraid, right? Some people don't know. So if that were a problem, then I don't, I don't have an issue with the, with the state going, you need to do this, just so you know. And maybe you don't care. So you just buy it. You don't even look at it. But maybe maybe it matters to you. Maybe some people have, you know, I don't know, smaller stature and they have problems with recoil. And they want to find one that has a lower number. Fine. Grab the lower number. Whatever's going to make you happy. I'm not concerned about that. So, yes. All right. I, I do want to make sure. That's cute. Yes. It does go boom. That's true. Um, obviously, says, Larry, do you see the media pontificating about how New York State has now has a woman governor, even though she wasn't even elected? As long as we need to live in a superficial world, what do you... What what do you say we have our first black Marine Corps veteran governor that's broke away, Governor Sunshaw? Thank you. That is breaking barriers. If only the media would escape the utopian bubble of stupidity. I, I like what you're saying, Abby. Thank you. And I think it's a valid point. Um, what bothered me, one of the, and I mentioned this when I saw uh, Kathy Hogle's speech, and I did a little video on this. What One of the things that bothered me so much is she led with the fact that she was a woman. She led with that. Not that it is an issue, and it should be. I am happy. It's nice to have a female governor. That is a good thing. I'm not against that at all. I'm happy, and we should say that. Should we lead with it? I think no. I think she should have led with who she is as a person, maybe even as a legislator, because she's a legislator, maybe as a, as a leader, and then go, and hey, isn't it great that I'm a woman? I'm like, yeah, I'm glad you're a woman, right? I mean, that's a good thing. I'm, I'm not against diversity. I'm against diversity for diversity's sake. That makes any sense, right? There's a difference in my in my world. I'm I'm happy if there are people of color or women or gay. All good stuff, happy. It just shouldn't be what we lead with. Right? It should be this person's qualified or good or whatever the case may be. And they happen to be some other thing, which is nice. Yes, that's the cherry on top. That's the whipped cream on top, right? It shouldn't be the ice cream. It should be the whipped cream or the cherry on top. It's nice. And I feel that we've, we've done the opposite. We only care about the cherry and the whipped cream and the ice cream's garbage, right? We're putting whipped cream and cherry on something that's not ice cream, right? So let's have some good ice cream and throw some whipped cream and cherry on top. So it's nice. Well, whatever you like. That's what you like. Chocolate syrup. Your th- whatever your thing is, right? I agree with you, Avi. I think we really should have um, – that should not have been the focus. The focus should have been on what she was going to do or what she cared about, whatever, which was still bad. But – in theory, at least, if she was a really decent governor. In theory, at least. I, I would hope. You guys have seen me on this show many times. I don't hide the fact that I'm black. I don't hide that fact at all. But I don't lead with it. Right? I, I hope I lead with what I think is value. And then, and I also happen to be a black guy from New York. Right? 
I hope that's just like a cherry on top. I don't, I hope I, I don't think any of you are. I hope people aren't watching because, oh, that's the black guy. God, that would suck if that's true. Um, I hope it's, that's the guy that I like listening to. Oh, and by the way, he happens to be a fast talking black guy from New York, which is fine, right? That's a good thing, but that should definitely be the cherry on top and not the reason why you watch. Maybe the fast talking part, maybe, if you like that part, maybe. Anyway, thank you, Avi. I think you're right. I appreciate the sentiment. I think it's correct. It's nice to have the verse. It's nice. It just shouldn't be the thing, right? It should be something extra. So Shelly says, according to AOC, Hoko is a menstruating person. You know, let me let me touch that piece. And this will go back to what Avi was talking about with, with the um with the California um recall. The Republicans were not smart to push Larry Elder as the head. Because Larry Elder is a culture warrior, right? He's a culture warrior. That's who he is. He, and he would tell you that. Like, I'm not saying something that he doesn't agree with. He's a culture warrior. And once you throw a culture warrior up there, the Democrats go, ooh, culture war. Awesome. And they played the culture war game. And they're winning it. Right? Culture war, using him, it was too easy it was too easy for, for the Democrats to make him a culture warrior because Larry Elder is one. He's a radio talk show host. That's what he does, right? And again, I'm not saying that he wouldn't uh, disagree with. He would be agree. He's like, yeah, he's, he's a culture warrior. That's what he is. And he's proud of it. So when they beat him, he jumps on board. I'm a culture warrior. Hell yeah, we're fighting the culture war. He's in. And so substance didn't matter, Avi. So the, I, how bad... Newsom was no longer mattered. Now it was just what side are you on in the culture war? And there's more Californians on Newsom's culture war side than there are Californians on Larry Elder's side. That's what I'm happening. It is irrelevant how incompetent Newsom was. So picking Larry Elder just made it a culture war. AOC is also a culture warrior, also. So when you when you do that, sometimes you fall into the wrong hands if it makes any sense um the republican should have picked somebody who was not at such an obvious culture warrior and would have jumped on board and then it, it, they might have gotten to actual policy issue that might have happened and i think newsom had a, a, a more of a chance of losing i mean newsom still may lose tomorrow it's still possible i don't think so though i think the culture warrior piece is what happened so i'm sorry shelly you, you you triggered my culture warrior with the mentality person thing i think that's what happened in california once they picked Larry Elder as their front runner, the culture war came out and people didn't care about how people don't care if Larry Elder's smart or not. They don't care. They don't care if Newsom's better. They're like, oh, we're fighting the culture war. What side are you on? Well, I'm on Newsom's side. More of us than him. We win. That's how culture warriors win elections. And this just happened. So, yes. So. um, Let's see here. Gene says, um, I watch because I like the way you communicate. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. So, yes. Tim says, Larry, you breached, we follow. Thank you. It's leadership, fun, and hope for a better future. It's not a skin color. Being. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. Yes. So, Nicholas says, the only reason I listen to you is because you make sense. Oh, thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yes. Obviously, says, Larry, I listen to you because you are innovative, creative, well-spoken, charismatic, and most importantly, Marine Corps badass. Thank you that knows how to go to war when necessary. If we're going to take back this state, we need a fighter. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. Yes. 
Uh, Torrance says, AMA, in your opinion, why do some black Americans believe in the myth of white supremacy? Um, that's a loaded question for many reasons. And the reason is the phrase white supremacy isn't what people think it is. The systems that have been set up in the past have been detrimental to black people. To include slavery, obviously, but also to include apartheid, um, redlining, war on drugs. So it actually isn't white supremacy. It is it is a a a black disadvantage from the systems that have been in place for for hundreds of years, and now we're digging out of it. Right, the systems are nowhere near as bad as they were. Clearly, slavery was the worst. Apartheid was the second worst, and the war on drugs after that. Right, but as we're ending those, right, things are changing, and usually they begin to change once the population as a whole is affected by it. Right, so as the rest of the population is affected by the initial racial issue, then they have to start to change. So I think because many Black Americans see that there has been, without question, systems that have kept Black people down that we've had to get over, and some Black people have, some haven't. It becomes easy for them to say, see, white people have it easier. And so I think that's why they accept the concept of white supremacy. I don't think that it's actual white supremacy, if that makes any sense. But there are systemic issues. The problem is that we make it worse black and white. So either there's white supremacy or everything's perfect. And none of those things are true. Right? But it is it's always easier to make things black and white, right? It's just easier. So I'm upset because my life hasn't worked the way I wanted to work, or I felt some form of um discrimination or racism. So I can't accept there's nothing. White supremacy. Easy day. It is a simpler answer. If, if that makes sense, Torrance, it makes sense. Uh, see, that's what it is. It's that. Done. Now now I feel better. Done. Versus saying, no, there are some issues that have happened for many years that still affect me to this day that I have to work on, that we have to fix. And, it's, and instead of me using a phrase like white supremacy, which makes white people feel terrible, which makes white people feel like they're racist and horrible, well, then why would they help me fix things if I'm calling them bad racist names? But if I instead say, hey, there's some systems that suck. They've been affecting me and my people for years. They're now affecting you. Why don't you help me fix this? The war on drugs, you go back 30 years, affected very few white people. It did. But much more black people, Hispanic people, black people than white people. Now it affects white people too. There's tons of white people I know who've been caught up in a drug war, right? Tons of them have. But you go back 30 years, I was just let's beat up on blacks and Hispanics. Clinton put a hundred thousand cops into black and Hispanic neighborhoods, not the white neighborhoods, right? Eventually that came over. One of the reasons was you couldn't afford to pay all the cops that he put out. So the cops that started hunting in other areas, they started hunting in poor white neighborhoods. So now you have that also. Now the opioid crisis affects white neighborhoods. Opioid crisis was cracked. That was affecting black people in the eighties and nineties. Well, all of that now went to white neighborhoods. So now everybody's affected by it. So instead of me saying white supremacy, how about I say crappy systems, white people, help me fix them, please. They affect you too. And we fix these systems. 
And when I see that, most white people go, oh, yeah, you're right. It affects me, too. Let's fix them. Let's let's get together. Let's not make it about race. Let's make it about systems and let's fix them. So I hope that I kind of went off on that. But the question was very loaded. So I do think many black Americans feel the pain and white supremacy heals the wound. It's wrong. It's a good Band-Aid. Maybe it's better. It's a good Band-Aid. It makes sense. So I'm not mad at people when they say it. I understand it. I try to do what I just did with you and and talk them out of it and discuss the realities of what's happening. But it's easy to say this. Does that make sense? It's just easy to say it. So, and the world is saying it. Like it's on tomorrow. The, the world is saying it everywhere, right? The world is saying it. Yes. So, so. Shelley says, what are some systemic uh, issues? How can we correct them without going down a critical race theory road? Yeah, um, I think there are many of them we can work on. Um, I brought this up in, in the past, right? Um, one of them is um, the war on drugs, right? That's a big one. War on drugs should end and expunge all records of possession, right? If you were violent in the drug war, that's violence you created a victim. But if you had a possession conviction, that should be erased. Now, I don't have to say erase the convictions, Shelley, of black people. I just say erase all the convictions. By percentage, it will be more black people. But white people too. I don't want anyone to have a possession. You had a plant in your pocket. Why did you go to jail for that? That should go away. So it'll help white people too. It's not about black people, but by percentage, more black people have been have been caught up in the war on drugs. It will help more black people by default. However, also whites, Hispanics, Asians, anyone who was caught up in that system. So that's the type of thing, right? Like that. Second, credit. Credit, people think of, well, credit, you got good or bad credit. No, there's two things about credit. One of them is it is also learned, right? And for many years, literally, black people couldn't get credit, like because of redlining and mortgages and homes, the federal guidelines stopped them. Mortgage brokers and bankers weren't any weren't racist. They didn't care. They just wanted to get the money out, right? But when the federal government said, I'm not backing this mortgage because this guy's black, and to be forward, that was literally the law. Like that was federal guidelines, right? I would say this. People aren't naturally racist. People are naturally tribal. Race can be a reason why people create a tribe. It's possible, but it's not natural for us to do it. We, we just make tribes on anything. We make tribes on baseball teams, tribes on the town you're from. We create, we're tribal. It's natural. And tribes don't have to fight. We often trade. Our tribes grow so that we intermarry within our tribes. We're tribal naturally, not necessarily racist. It takes government to make us racist because the systems get set up. They create racist systems, and then we follow the systems because they make sense in our world. Shelly, I don't know your background, but if you were a banker in 1975 and you were going through a um, – you, you had regulations. Well, wait a minute. I, I can't – if I give the black guy the loan, the government doesn't back it. I give the white guy the loan, government backs it. Oh, okay, great. I'm doing that. Oh, they literally won't allow me to put this black person into this neighborhood. There was a percentage that, that were federal guidelines. If I remember right, it was 30% could be either Irish – Italian or Jewish, zero could be black. That was federal guidelines. Do you think the average person actually cared? Some did, but most didn't. Why Why did the average white family 
or Jewish or Italian or whatever, whatever you, you white family care if black people were in the neighborhood. Not because they hated black people, because they were worried about property value, because people now wouldn't buy in that area because of federal guidelines, right? And now what happens? Now you start segregating people. That's a systemic issue that has happened from years ago. So why does it affect us now? Because imagine if you were raised and your mom and dad tell you about credit, worrying about loans, blah, blah, blah. You're raised in that household. They talk about it. You think about it. You, As you get older, you are thinking about this kind of thing. Do I want to buy a house? What do I want to do? But imagine if your parents never had to worry about that. They never owned a house. They only rented. They hardly bought anything. Credit wasn't a thing for them. You, you grew up not knowing about credit really at all. It wasn't a thing for you. You're a different person. That's a systemic issue that affects many black people to this day, right? Because their grandparents weren't talking about that. Sometimes their parents weren't talking about that, right? So you move down that road. So I think those are issues that we still have to this day. So how do you do that? By teaching basic stuff in high school. I'm serious. We go, once we go to high school, we're teaching things like calculus and such, which I'm not against. If you like calculus, please learn calculus if it's something you want to do. But why is things like calculus that you're never going to use again in your life unless you're in that world ever again? Why is that a requirement? When it's said, what should be a requirement? Understanding credit. Basic contract law. We have contracts and, and terms of service that we all deal with every day. Why is that not in high school now? Understanding a credit card. The concept of a checking account. You put that into inner city schools? Now, that helps white kids, too. Again, that's my point, Shelly. It also helps white kids. It does. I'm not I'm not making it racial. racial. Does, that make, I'm not, does that make any sense? It helps white kids, too. It just happens to help black kids more because there's more of them who will need this. And I, I hope that I'm being clear with that. That's what I mean when I talk about systemic issues. That's how we can fix them from the past. Make the changes. Make these things work. And that's how you can fix them. And everyone, again, poor white kids who don't know that will also learn it, right? And they're, not every white kid knows about credit, obviously, right? Clearly. So those kids will also, they will also benefit. But by default, more black kids will. I hope that was clear. Those types of things that, that I was talking about. You start doing that, now it becomes better for everybody. hope that was clear. So yes, okay. Um, see if I can go here, if I can do this again. Um... Torrance says, I just can't bring myself to validate the idea that white people are superior to me in any way. Thanks for asking my question. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yes. All right, so if I can grab here. Um, Shelly says, I knew a social worker in the 60s. Her name was Salika. So she went by the name Miss Washington so that when the, the phone people couldn't tell that she was black. Huh. Her job was removing kids from home. Wow. Wow. Lynn says, one of the hardest conversations I've had was with a friend who wanted to fight the negative stereotypes and language people use against black people and couldn't understand why I was fighting so hard about the systemic issues. I told him I can't fix people, but I can fix systems and empower them. Lyndon, yes. Yes, absolutely. Oh, my God, yes. People respond to systems and incentives and punishments. It's what people respond to. We're humans. We respond to them, right? Will some people, no matter what, wind up being bad? Yeah. Will some people, no matter what, get over and be good? Yeah. But the average person in an average system will work the average way, 
right? And we won't always be great in every system. Linda, you might be awesome in system A, but in system B, you fall into what everyone else does. System C, you're a bad guy. You screw this up because you're not good at this system. You don't like this thing. Different people do different things. But overall, to your point, the systems, better systems will give you overall better outcomes. Absolutely true. Yes. So, all right. Frank Guido says, that's the RT Bunker attitude. There goes neighborhood. Yes, thank you. Exactly right. I grew up in the hood where nobody cared about what color your neighbor was. We're all the same social boat. Yes, absolutely. Jan says, I know too many people who graduated high school and can't read. Yes, 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 yes. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Um, Kissoff says, well, maybe you would you would even try calculus if you weren't required. Yeah. But it was required in high school. You had to work your way to. to yeah. I, I. Yes, exactly. Right. I'm not against calculus. I mean, if people think that's where they're going, they should do that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Right? But I don't want... Why is that required? And then the daily important stuff is not required. So this is, oh, yeah, 100%. Thank you, Shelly. So I, I was clear that I'm glad. Sometimes I go off and I'm not sure. Right? But yes, I got it. So she then continues, rich kids don't know enough about credit either. They think it's bottomless. Very good. Yes, very good. That's good. All right. Um, Tim says the government has perpetrated and perpetuated and perpetuated so much racist evil. Yes. Look, do, do you think the average person? And I know I know you know the answer, Tim. I'm talking to everybody. The average American, whatever race they might be, wakes up in the morning trying to hurt someone of another race. Of course not. Now, are there some people who are? Of course, there's. But they're minuscule percentage. There's a tiny, tiny percentage of people who get up going, ha, 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 let me get the black guy. To, they're minuscule, right? So small amount. The vast majority of Americans, when they get up in the morning, they just care about their own lives, their own family, their own friends, their own job, their own whatever. Race is not a big deal for them. They don't really care. They just want to do their own stuff. It takes government to get in and to force an issue. It takes government to make you care, right? Most people just don't. And now you're finding that not only government's doing it now, also, media is too. You're finding media and government working together to make us care more and more and more. Because if you notice, when government's not involved, we tend to integrate on our own. We just do. Think about it. Why in the world the South has segregation laws? Why do they have it? In theory, they shouldn't, right? In theory, if we're all racist... They shouldn't have to have the laws, right? Black people and white people would have naturally been apart. There's no need for the law. They'd have been apart. No one could have got together. And we need a law for Because we're all racist, right? But we're not. We would have mixed. That's the issue. Absolutely right. So, all right. Um, Dixie says, ask me how many times I used the quadratic equation after I graduated from high school 20 years ago. Then asking at what age uh, I was when I realized the $100 item I bought on my credit card would cost me $200 of it and paid at the end of the month. Yes. Thank you. Oh, my God, Dixie. Yes. Yes. I would much rather people in high school learn about things like credit cards, which we almost all use. The difference between a debit card and a credit card. Why isn't that being taught in high school? Right? What's a checking account and a savings account? What does that mean? How do you deal with healthcare? We ought to deal with it. 
What's insurance? How do you rent? How, what does it mean to rent a place? These are things that all adults are dealing with. What's terms of basic, again, basic contract law. What is an agreement? Why isn't that a class? Of course it should be. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Guys, I want to ask you one more time if I can, as I always do, please like, comment, share. It does matter. I keep telling you, I have to get out of this uh, out of shadow banning. Please like, please comment, please share. It does matter to get past the, the, the shadow banning I constantly get. And when you have a moment, go click that link right there. Take the political affiliation quiz. I did a video on it last Friday. When you check it out, you can. I took it myself. You can watch that video. It's not that long, maybe less than an hour. Watch that video if you want to. I took the whole thing. And share it. Share that too. Let other people take it. The advantage of all these quizzes, I keep throwing quizzes at you, right? Why do I keep throwing quizzes at you? Because they're my sponsor? Yes. But why do I like them as my sponsor? Why did I agree to them to be my sponsor? Because these quizzes make people think. And that's what I want. It makes people that you think may not think we're a libertarian or not. It makes them rethink. It makes everybody rethink. I like that. Please do that. It does matter. If we start talking not about we start talking not about whether you're left or right, but we start talking about the actual issues. Uh, he says, Larry disagrees with you about Larry Elder. Although he is conservative, he also tilts the maternity on some issue. It's the drug war, marriage equality, and that, that fixation on abortion. Still love you, but perhaps look into Larry Elder more. You probably agree with him on issues. No, no, I do. I know Larry Elder. I'm just saying he's a culture warrior. That's what I'm saying. He does, right? There are a couple of conservatives that lean libertarian. I think he's he does lean libertarian. I think that's true. Um, he actually was, uh, geez, 2016, he was at our convention. I think it's true. All I'm saying is he is a culture warrior, though. If you heard him speak, every time he speaks, he jumps immediately on things like race. He jumps on culture issues when he speaks. He's got it from his radio show. So I'm not saying he's a tilt libertarian. I think he does lean libertarian. I think that's accurate. He does lean libertarian. I agree with that. I'm saying he's a culture warrior on his radio show. So it's easy for the Democrats to paint him as, see, conservative culture warrior. The paint job worked very easily. And he jumped on board because he was talking it. If you saw any of it, the, the clips they used from his speeches, they were also modern speeches. He did like last week, two weeks ago. He was on the culture war. He was on the culture war path. That's all I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I'm just saying he is also a culture warrior. And it was very easy for them to paint him as such. And they did. And it worked. So, Yes. <laughs> All righty. Uh, let's see here. Um, Torrent says, I like that the South isn't as racist as people think. I agree. To so the end of segregation, we have no choice but to learn to live with each other. The city I live in is almost 50-50. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been to the South many times. And there's a difference, though, right? The There's a different type of racism in the South than there is in the, in the North. I, it's going to sound crazy, but there's a part of me that actually prefers Southern. Because if someone doesn't like you because you're raised in the South, they're very open about it. Like if they are, if they're that guy or gal who doesn't like you, eh, you know. The North, they don't, it's it's silent. You don't know, right? And I'd rather have it to where I know. So if there's a guy or gal who doesn't like me because of my race, he's let me know. Like I know where he is. I got you. And the best part is him and I can actually have a conversation. We can talk because his mask is off figuratively, right? He's like, no, no, I don't like you people. Okay, 
I know where you are. We have the conversation, right? But if in the north, you, you don't know. They're kind of like, mm. so you don't know. Is that guy thinking? I don't know. So I'm actually with you now, Torrance. Guys, I want to thank you so much for this evening. I appreciate the time you gave me. Um, I should have a very cool show tomorrow. I will be uh, away for a little bit of the day, but I should be back in time for a cool show tomorrow evening. Thank you so much for today. Thank you for hearing my rant about 9-11. I appreciate it. I uh, know it was emotional a little bit, but that's okay. Tomorrow, noon, a free solution, Tim O'Connor. And then tomorrow night, I'll be back here, 7 p.m. I'll see you all very soon. <laughs>